Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 214 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast, presented by Overdrive. This is Jill. Hi, Adam. How's it going? Good. I felt like there was like a weird sound thing happening. Yeah, there was. I turned up your microphone oh. a little too loud, and so we both heard it like through. so apologies if uh the very beginning there was a little i'll fix it loud i can edit that um i'm not great at editing but i can do the sound stuff a little bit like the highs and lows um so yeah it's going well how's it how, how are you doing i'm fine yeah fine it's a rainy day here in cleveland it is but you know it's... what the i would prefer rain because that means that like spring is here well, for sure as i was just telling you our office previously all week previously on the professional book nerds uh and it's it smelled like paint because we're like doubling the size of our office which is a good problem to have and everything smells like paint because they're painting everything so that was a little oppressive but today it smells like like spring in here like that like everyone has there's moisture in the air and i feel like flowers are imminent um but i will take rain I'm, i'm okay with rain Rain is a good thing. No, it is. Yeah. I'm just saying it's a rainy day. It's not snow, which is nice. You're also wearing an Indians jersey. Yes, I am. Today is um, the official start of the baseball season. Massive baseball nerd, as everyone probably think. I've talked about that a few times. Um, The Indians are playing in Seattle this weekend, starting tonight. So I'll have a late night of being yeah. up. The game doesn't even start till 10. Ugh, I hate that with like basketball, too, when I'm yeah. on the West Coast. Well, and it's, it's even harder with baseball because baseball is a longer. So long. It's a longer, yeah. So that's okay, though. I, um, my brother-in-law and I have plans to stay up far too late and watch the game. So it'll be fun. I'm excited. Um, speaking of the Cleveland Indians and Cleveland things, you see, that's a professional transition. Uh, so today's episode is a conversation I had with Regina Brett, who is a local author. Um, it was just me because I'm bad at scheduling lately, and I forgot to tell Jill that Regina was coming in, or rather I scheduled it for a day that Jill was not going to be here. Right. And I don't think either of us noticed until day of. Yeah. And I was like, hey, are you going to, you're not here today. And you're like, no, I'm not. I was like, well, I guess I'll talk to Regina. Um, but no, Regina came and we hit it off. We're, we're now buddies. And uh, her husband was here too. And, and I gave them a tour of the office. And they have a connection to the Muppets. Their son works uh, for Sesame Street and um, manages a very popular Muppets blog called Tough Pigs. Um, so it sounds like I might get to go see Sesame Street when I go to Book Expo America. In That's New awesome. York. Yeah. Um, but that was, we did not talk about the Muppets on the actual <laughs> podcast. Um, Regina is a, she's a local journalist here in Cleveland and, she, and she's been, you know, she's had a whole career of working for the Cleveland Plain Dealer, which is, which is our biggest newspaper in the area. She's also an author. Um, she's written several, several books that were very, very popular. Um, God is Always Hiring, Be the Miracle, and God Never Blinks. Um, they're basically like, you know, 50 lessons to doing such and such a thing or like 
she's as she progressed in her life she would do like when she turned a certain age she's like i'm gonna write that amount of life lessons you know and wrote them as articles so like 45 life lessons to do such and such a thing we talk about it a lot in the actual interview um and then she they were so popular that she's like i'm gonna extend it and do a whole book so we talk about a lot of stuff regina's really wonderful um i wish you could have been there to talk to her sorry (laughs) yeah no i apologize so um I think you guys will really enjoy this conversation. And as always, best part of it, she was in person because she's local. So sound is great. I just prefer talking to people in person when we right. can. It's so much easier. Um, so, yeah. If people want to get a hold of us, how can they do that? They can find us on Twitter and Instagram at ProBookNerds. And they can email us at ProfessionalBookNerds at Overdrive.com. You totally should because we we will give you book recommendations. This happened actually yeah, a couple times. Yeah. I love it when – yeah. Usually it ends up being Jill. <laughs> so as we've, you know, a million times we've talked about this, Jill is an actual librarian. I am. Anytime people, t- anytime a website or someplace promotes our podcast, which is wonderful, they say, yeah, the co-hosts are both librarians who work at Overdrive. And I have this like stigma. It's like, I'm not a librarian. I'm a librarian adjacent, as I've told since like the first episodes. Well, I get so excited about it because one of our listeners, Daryl, hi, Daryl, um, had written in looking for a book recommendation and I had and I think he did not expect us to come up with one because mm-hmm. he had like a very sort of somewhat niche fiction type of book he was um looking for and yet I had literally the perfect book that I have been wanting to recommend to somebody mm-hmm. I was so excited to recommend a book yeah I can't stress this enough to people in addition to all like the recommendations we give you on the episode we work with so many librarians here like everyone honestly at our company is like a literary expert so if you have books that you've been reading you're like i want more of this just shoot us an email and if we can't find it we'll find one of our good librarian friends right because it's one of those things i think where everyone sort of has their genres that they read and so if Mm -hmm. it's not something i read or adam reads we have lots of other people who probably do yeah if you guys need a YA fantasy, I am your man, because this is my year of YA fantasy. Um, okay, cool. Anything else you think people should know about in life? Oh, this is coming out on Monday, and this is the same day as the launch of our Big Library Read program. Yes, it is. So go to biglibrary.com if you want more information about that, uh, or just go to your library's Overdrive website. You should see Flat Broke with Two Goats front and center. Um, that is the book by Jennifer Magaha. That is the Big Library Read Global Book Club title. And if you are interested in more information about her, she's also on our podcast recently. So go yep. back like three episodes, I think. Something like that. You'll see it. <laughs> um, so yeah, happy Big Library Read. And I hope you guys all enjoy this conversation with Regina Brett on the Professional Book Nerds Podcast. <laughs> Hi, everyone. It's Adam again, and today I'm very excited to be joined in person by Regina Brett, who is a New York Times bestselling author of God Never Blinks, 50 Lessons for Life's Little Detours, which has been published in over 24 languages. She's also written Be the Miracle, 50 Lessons for Making the Impossible Possible, and God is Always Hiring, 50 Lessons for Finding Fulfilling Work. She wrote, she wrote for The Plain Dealer in Cleveland for 17 years and currently writes for the Cleveland Jewish News and Jewish News Service, 
Regina, thank you so much for stopping by today. Adam, thanks for inviting me. It's been fun just to see the place. Yeah, yeah, we got to, you know, I love when people are, come to the office because I get to kind of show off where we work. Um, before I talk about your writing and everything, I saw something on your website yesterday. You're celebrating a big anniversary this week. I call it my cancerversary. Yeah. It's been 20 years since I was diagnosed with breast cancer. Yeah, congratulations. That is amazing. And you have to celebrate because, you know, when you first get diagnosed, you have no idea if you're going to live months, years, mm-hmm. you know, and they give you like the five-year prediction. Yeah. They don't go beyond five years. So when you get 10, you think, wow. And then 20, I'm like, whoa. Oh, and I would have missed half my daughter's life. She was 19 when I got cancer. So... All the all the uh, timeline events of life and all the just the daily joy you, mm-hmm. you think of what a great gift it is even the worst day to day I don't care I'm here to have it <laughs> right um, I yeah when I saw that I, I admittedly I got a little teary eyed I I was telling you before we started recording we have a lot of like we have a lot of through lines in our our lives that kind of intersect uh, my mother in law actually had stage three breast cancer um several years ago and she's in complete remission everything so it's feeling a little again as i was reading yours so congratulations again that's just that's so wonderful Um, well and i think it's important to celebrate it because for anybody who just got diagnosed they need to know people live you mm -hmm. know you think it's a death sentence when you get it but it's not people live many years you know long lives with cancer Mm -hmm. and i know that a lot of people like to keep their kind of fight and their journey private but yours has sort of inspired a lot of your writing correct well when I got diagnosed I was at the Beacon Journal in Akron Mm -hmm. and I was a columnist so as a writer you just take what life gives you and you turn it into your writing it's like (laughs) instead of lemonade you know you you write columns (laughs) and life gives you lemons so I wrote these columns and the newspaper put them on the front page Mm -hmm. and it was a four-part series and at the end people found out I really did have cancer and they were like devastated I think they wanted this big happy ending right but the happy ending is you get to live day by day by day Mm -hmm. So when you decided that you were going to write about it, and like you said, it's that's kind of the natural thing a writer writes sort of thing. Um, Were you planning on do using your words kind of inspire other people, or was it just I need to tell this story because it's the story I have to tell right now? I think both. I think first you tell it because. For me, writing is like breathing, and if I didn't write, it'd be like holding my breath. So writing it, I wrote them like at 3 in the morning, which is the best time to write because you think nobody's looking, uh-huh. and you feel more confident, <laughs> like the world's asleep, I can say this. But then when you put it out there, oh my gosh, the women that I heard from, uh, families, people that needed to um, really talk about cancer, many mm-hmm. women who had not been to a doctor who'd found a lump but were too afraid to go. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, you know, you, you might save lives without even knowing you're doing it by sharing your own journey. So... That's one of the reasons is you, you never know who you can bring hope to. And some of those articles, are those the ones that became your first book? Is that correct? Well, the first book, what happened was uh, I ended up going off to the Plain Dealer and writing there. And uh, when I had uh, turned 45 years old, I was really excited because my two aunts died of cancer before they got to be 45. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I reached a big landmark, like right. I'm still here. So I wrote down 45 lessons that life taught me. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them came from cancer. Mm-hmm. You know, life isn't fair, but it's still good. Like right. nobody, nobody deserves cancer, but you know, you get it and you make the best of it. So I wrote these life lessons and they went viral, like just crazy all over the world because of the internet. And um, <laughs> then when I turned 50, I wrote five more and then somebody slept on top of it. Regina Brett, who is 90. <laughs> then they became even more famous because they thought that was so wise because I'm 90. So cancer really informed that. And then one day my editor called and said, you should turn these into a book. Mm-hmm. I thought, oh my gosh, I was working on another manuscript. I'd had one rejected. I worked on another one that probably would have been rejected. And I put it away and I thought, 
the universe just called me and right. gave me an assignment. And then God Never Blinks became this amazing rocket that mm-hmm. I had never predicted. I, you met, by the way, you blew past something that I wanted to talk about anyway, but uh, you brought it up yourself. So everyone, you, there, you basically turned into a Snopes article. Oh, I know. I love that I'm on Snopes. Yeah. So, <laughs> so the fact that, so just kind of tell people how this happened. I know it's kind of random and you don't know who started it, but people think you are 90. Well, at this point, they probably think you're a little bit older than 90. That's true. Well, the good thing about it is as I age, I, I'm going to still look great because they think I'm 90, Okay. <laughs> Um, I don't know who did it, but somebody, you know, they, the lessons just kept getting forwarded everywhere and posted. And some random person just put, written by Regina Brett, who's 90. And I've had readers disappointed when they found out I'm not 90. Because they think I'm, I lied. And a few got angry. They go, why would you lie about your age? I'm like, why would you lie up? I mean, right, yeah. lie down. Like, you know, like I'm 40 or 50. Uh-huh. So I think it's kind of amusing, and I'd like to thank whoever did it. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. And every so often I see pictures of some older woman who looks 90 and has my name on it. Yeah. So I don't know oh, that's so how it started, but I am fine with yeah. it. It's You're right that most people do age themselves down, but I, I'm one of those people I do, like, I'm leaning happily into, like, becoming a six-year-old grumpy person. Like, my wife always <laughs> likes to joke about that. She's like, you're 32 going on, like, 70. You know? How funny. I kind of understand. Um... When you're taking a, you know, 45 lessons or 50 lessons and it's, even if it's a long column, it's still a column, mm-hmm. how, what was the process like for you turning that into a full-length book? Because it's, you know, I think a lot of times when there's, you write an essay, you say what you need to say in you know, a thousand done. words and sure. whatever it is, and then you're done. But then to take it and put it into a book, what was that process like for you? You know, I, instead of calling it a book, I had been a journalist for so many years that I just kept telling myself I have a deadline that I have to meet because mm-hmm. when you're a journalist, you can't have an empty spot in the newspaper. Right. So unlike authors, we actually meet our deadlines because you have editors <laughs> yelling at you day after day. You know? So mm-hmm. for me, I got a bunch of sticky notes and I put them on my calendar and I put I counted down from 50 to 1 mm-hmm. and put them on the calendar and every time I would write one chapter I could throw away a sticky note and if I didn't write it they'd pile up and I'd see what I'm not doing which is really (laughs) effective but I kept looking at it as I'm writing 50 columns not Mm -hmm. 50 chapters or a whole book because if you break it into doable bites it's so much easier Mm -hmm. some people say write a good sentence don't worry about writing a great book right so basically um, so what you would do I'm guessing projecting a little bit you would take one of those lessons where in the column it was just kind of it sat on its own and mm-hmm. as a line and then you would expand on it is that yeah some, some of the um, the chapters of God Never Blinks you know I would uh, had written a column on a few of them and I thought now how would I write this today because it really does fit that lesson still and I would add to it or kind of massage it or I call it composting add something shift it around mm-hmm. go for a walk and some were just brand new where I thought wow this is what that lesson means to me today because mm-hmm. you know, writing is a fluid thing for me because I keep changing, my writing's gonna keep changing. Sure. And a lot of it for me is you write from the kind of the gut, the soul. You sit down and say, okay, what truth do I wanna speak from the rooftop? And having cancer, it's a great gift because you say to yourself, okay, if I were to die in six months, what would I tell the world? Right. What matters? And having had a diagnosis, you really don't know how long mm-hmm. you're gonna be here. Not that anybody does, but sure. we just know better that yeah. you know, time is limited. Your attitude towards life is so inspiring. I. I just reading your work it's there's so many ways that people could look at being diagnosed with cancer or just everyday life and the way that you look at it is so such a I don't know I just 
it's so great to see someone say, you know, I, I, I think I've seen you say, like, some people look at it as, like, I have to go to work. And then you right, it's to say, a get to, man. I get to go to Everything's work. a get to after cancer. Yeah. I get to do laundry today. Wow, I'm still <laughs> here. You know, even, like, you know, your hair turning great. It's like, I have hair today. I'm not bald from chemo. I'll right. take it. Frizzy from the rain, I don't care. There's no bad hair days anymore. Yeah. Right? I will admit to, I, I do, I say, have to do the laundry. That's one, that's one that <laughs> even. you don't like to do. Uh, exactly, yeah. Delegate, I, Adam, delegate. This, yeah, little, ba- <laughs> like, little baby steps. It's like, I, I get to go to work, I have to do laundry. I'll get there eventually. But, but. it is a mindset, and I think that um, you really do have a choice of how happy you want to be in life. Mm-hmm. Because life is going to kick everybody around like a soccer ball. You just got to enjoy the ride. Yeah. Say, okay, where are we going today? Mm-hmm. Wasn't where I planned, but, you know. But like, two years ago, uh, my car was parked out in front of my house, and a tree branch broke and fell on the roof of my car. It was only like a year old car. Mm-hmm. It was a brand new car. And the construction worker came and said, hey, a tree fell on your car. And I laughed. I thought it was a joke. He goes, no, it really did. <laughs> it crushed the roof. It looked like bacon. You know, it was all wavy. <laughs> and I stood there, and I laughed because I thought, nobody was hurt. Uh-huh. It's just a car. And life is still good. And yeah. I have insurance. It'll get fixed. But having had cancer, it just shapes everything because you've learned that you can make peace with the worst of life, mm-hmm. you know, and the difficulties and the not knowing. Yeah. I think, Everything else is gravy. And I think, I feel like people, I, I wish people would see that way of looking at life more often. And not, you don't even need to have like a major, you know, Yeah, you don't need event. to have a diagnosis to right. live this way. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like I, a perfect example, um, this past weekend, I, we sold our house and we're moving out of our house and like literally last weekend was the the big U-Haul wow. and we're building That's a, a deal. new, yeah, we're building a new place and people who listen to the podcast heard me complain about this in the past, which I shouldn't have, but we're building a new place and it's not going to be ready for a while. So we're living with my sister-in-law who used to live with us and it's like a pay it forward thing. Sure. But all weekend I was super stressed out and I was like, yeah. there's so much to do. And my wife looked at me and she's like, our household in under a week, we have a place to live. All of this is good. This is all good stuff. And it is. It was just that little, like having her remind me about that. The rest of the day, I felt better because, like, you're right. This is yeah. a good. Thing. It's what. What do you focus on? You know, my book, Be the Miracle. One of the lessons is magnify the good. Mm-hmm. And if you have this like invisible magnifying glass, where do you want to put it? On mm-hmm. wow, our house sold really fast, or I haven't unpacked the boxes yet, or you know what I mean? Yeah. It just depends where do you want to wave the the glass. Right. Um, so as a person who also writes kind of essays, and I, I love the ability to sort of have a thought and be able to like punctuate it in you know 500 800 1200 words whatever it is and it and it sticks with people they're very they can be very sticky um and when you have these <laughs> i love that person. right yeah that's, that's yeah, the way right. it sticks with people and the yeah. way i think about it is you know we've gotten to speak with a few memoirists and essayists and i think why people are so drawn to essays and newspaper articles is because you can read that chunk mm-hmm. and then um you know i you can put it on your, you know, you can cut it out of a newspaper and you right, can right. put it on, you know, you can remind yourself by putting it on the refrigerator or you can read an essay in a book and you can send just that essay to right. a parent or someone like that. But what I'm curious about, I don't want to ask you where you get your ideas because that's lazy. I don't like asking people that question. I know you've heard it a million <laughs> times. But when you do have your ideas of things you see in everyday life or mm-hmm. someone you, you speak with, do you find yourself thinking about the bulk of your essay before you get that kind of hook, that one like really great line, or does it kind of tend to be the other way around? I guess like what is, when you see something, you're like, oh, I want to tell that story. 
You know, for me, it's I, I just love words. And when I see words I love in a book, whenever I read a book, I read it with an index card so I can jot down beautiful quotes mm-hmm. or just some way to describe something, just to like soak it up. It's like somebody handed you a bouquet, you want to smell it, inhale <laughs> it. So I get ideas everywhere. I'll hear somebody talking and I'll think, oh my God, that's a great quote. Or wow, what a great description. I rip things out of the newspaper. My husband will not let me read the paper beforehand because <laughs> I rip and I tear. And I, I have a pile of ideas for fiction someday if I'm mm-hmm. going to write fiction. And ideas are everywhere and everybody has a story. Mm-hmm. And that's something I hope people really listen to is that everybody has a story. Even that person you think is boring or mm-hmm. old or not educated or whatever. Right. Everybody has a story. Just say, so what's your story? And you'll hear these amazing ideas and yeah. you just got to catch them with your pen. Mm-hmm. They're just flowing everywhere. So I gather them up. I have piles of ideas. I mean, mm-hmm. literally stacks. And I compost them and pull them out um i do they're just i keep saving my office always looks like it blew up because uh-huh. there's just ideas yeah. in the air everywhere so do you have do you kind of keep a notebook with you or I always I'm, carry a notebook a little i call it a little day book uh-huh. my purse is always a notebook today i have a big one mm-hmm. um i can't leave the house without a few pens because i have this fear of running out of ink oh yeah it'd be like horrible when I go to movies, I have to have index cards and pens because if they have a great line, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's mm-hmm. beautiful. And it might not be something I would never use the line, you know, or plagiarize, but it might inspire me to sit down and just unpack it like a piece of lug. Is yeah. like, what does that mean? I read something the other day. Somebody said, make eye contact with a tree. I've been looking at trees differently ever since I read it. Yeah. Because it's not like just like go enjoy your walk mm-hmm. with nature, but make eye contact with the tree. Yeah. And when you do that, you'll see all those little knot holes really look like yeah, eyes. Absolutely. And it's like amazing. So sometimes it just inspires me to live mm-hmm. more vibrantly. I, my biggest problem that I always joke around with, with, with writers is I feel the same way. I always have a notebook with me, but I'm also a distance runner. So when I'm out running, oh, yeah, I can't have doing? anything on me. And so, and I listen to a lot of audiobooks yeah, yeah. when I'm running to help pass the time. And same thing, like mm-hmm. I, and that's not to plagiarize someone, but you hear someone say something, and then and so and the it lands on your heart. Yeah, it and then and then I'm always worried when I'm running. I'm like, oh I'm god! So as soon as I get home, my wife's like, "How is your run, sweetie?" I'm like, "Not now. I got to write this down." down. <laughs> but the one that I heard recently was from it was from like a YA novel. I can't remember what novel it was, but it was something about there was this boy and this girl and. He, she said about him he smelled like midnight oh, and I was like yeah and exactly beautiful and so the idea of like taking something that like you would never think something smells like midnight and, and what now what does midnight smell what like what does midnight smell like, like describe describe and I've been trying to like unpack I that one little that. line and I keep yeah. as I'm writing my own things I'm trying to like I'll have a, like a, a conversation between two people and I'm trying to think of a line that's as good as that and I just so don't you love that? That line yeah. it speaks to you. You know, my husband used to have this little tiny recorder. It was called, uh, I think, Voice It. Mm-hmm. It was the size of a credit card, and he would just carry it so that yeah. if he had an idea, he could press it and talk into it. Oh, so there might be like little things I, like that that you could. Yeah, you know, well, that's the thing. I mean, well. we're recording this on my phone, so there, I do have the ability to record on my phone. But Maybe it's you usually, just have it on. Yeah, well, it's, it's usually like in my pocket, and I just never okay, pay so attention to it. Okay, so get duct tape, strap it to your hand <laughs> when you're. <laughs> just go hit yourself in the face. Oh, that's a really awesome idea. So. Something that I'm curious, I told you kind of why I think essays resonate with people, but what is it do you think you think about either essays or newspaper articles? Why do you think people tend to be drawn to them? You know, C.S. Lewis once said that people read to know that they're not alone. Mm-hmm. And I think when you read something, you go, oh, wow, I, 
I, wow, I can really relate to that. It something it speaks to your own personal inner journey that maybe you haven't even shared with your spouse, your best friend, mm-hmm. but a writer can reach in there where no one else gets in. And so I feel like that's the ticket with newspapers with and also with just short writing. I love books, but sometimes I just want like a like a little snack, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's what's great about the internet now with all the different posts and blogs. You can gather bits and yeah. pieces. There's this big smorgasbord mm-hmm. everywhere. Do you find yourself almost getting like when you're searching for something to read, especially on the internet, because it can be it's like in a candy store with like yeah. So do you, you know, all the money in the world? So how do you go about finding something that you want to read? Currently, is it like I have to have a specific topic, or you mm-hmm. just search like a genre? Just as a reader, you know, as a reader, I go through kind of binge phases of where like I love young adult fiction and I'm reading Wonder and The Fault in Our Stars mm-hmm. and every, and I'm just like gorging on it. The book thief every, and and it's just like it's filling me up. And then other times. I'm reading just inspirational self-help and I kind of go, I, I love to go to the library and just kind of wander uh-huh. and go to bookstores and look at the shelves and there's something about, you know, they say you can't judge a book by its cover, but to me the title, the words just, and I I always read the first paragraph because it's like, it's got to be good. Yeah, absolutely. Because if you go to buy clothing and if you look in the window and it doesn't look good, you're not going to go in the store. Uh-huh. So the first few paragraphs have got to say, hey, yeah. I can write, look at me. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Oh, you're so right about judging books by its cover. And that's something that we talk about all the time here at Overdrive because we're a digital mm-hmm. company and like the what you basically see on a bookshelf at the library's Overdrive site is it's all book covers right. so you and you do have the ability to open them up and sample them but you scroll through so quickly yeah. I'm very guilty of that something I by the way you were talking about being obsessed with uh, you know like reading a lot of young adult fiction at the moment you picked three very sad books you just said there you know what I am drawn to things that are deep and real and mm-hmm. have meaning I mean it's great to be happy and all that but there's something about the deeper meaning of life that I've always just been like drawn to the mystery of life. Yeah. Like you don't solve it, but life pulls you in into the areas that you normally wouldn't want to go, but mm-hmm. those are the most magical and mystical yeah. places. I always have to tell people the books that move my emotions are the ones that I remember. Yeah. Um, you mentioned the book thief. Oh, it's, the book thief. Oh, the whole idea of what words meant and mm-hmm. to keep them alive. And, you know, my, it's strange, but my books are bestsellers in Poland of all the countries in the world. Yeah. Poland absolutely loves me. My books have been like number two, number three. Like I was behind the Pope one year. That's amazing. And what I love is being in a country where um, the Holocaust was so traumatic to the country and to the world. And it so much of it happened there. And then to see a country that overthrew communism first, right there in Poland. Mm-hmm. And the idea of how much words matter in a yeah. country that's been so damaged and in a world that's been so broken right there with big breaks mm-hmm. have happened. And to have them value words, it really, you see the power of words to make a difference. Yeah. You know, in the loneliest of places. When I went to Auschwitz one year, and when I left, they had a bookstore. Mm-hmm. What's fascinating is they had a bookstore. They didn't have yeah. anything else but a bookstore. Yeah. Because people needed to make sense of this horrible thing, mm-hmm. and books could do it. Yeah. Victor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning, I bought that at Auschwitz, and I said, okay, here's a man who lived through it and uses words to mm-hmm. teach people. How do, how do you make meaning out of the worst? Yeah, I don't know that I could. I My father's side of my family is Jewish. I don't know that I could ever go. Auschwitz feels like such a... Like, even when I go to Washington, D.C., and I go to Oh, monuments. the Holocaust Museum is yeah. so powerful there. I, yeah. Any, well, even then, like, going to, like, 
the Vietnam Memorial. Like, oh, I, the names, my, the yeah, words, the see names. My family name. had like, the, none of my family was in Vietnam, but even just seeing that is so like emotionally like moving. And what's fascinating that you mentioned that is you're seeing names, you're seeing words. There's something about words that mm-hmm. capture. Things that nothing else can describe yeah. and hold. Like, they always say pictures with a thousand words. I'm like, I want the thousand words. I want the thousand <laughs> words. Exactly. Yeah. I, or like even when they have, you know, you go all around Washington, D.C. especially, and they have like the various quotes from famous like, I right. just feel like you can find a quote, you know, with the people always say on Twitter, there's a tweet for everything. Like for me, it there is. is. A, there's a quote there's for a, everything. There's a, there's a quote that, uh, that's why I love books yeah. and essays so much. Because if I can't find a way to say something. Yeah. I can find it in a book. So, um, when you were growing up, we were talking about before we started mm-hmm. recording. You know, lifelong lover of of books and reading. So, what were some of the books you read when you oh were my growing gosh. up? Well, first of all, I grew up in a family of eleven children, and the library was Eden. It was yeah. paradise to us because we couldn't afford books. The only books in the house were the Lives of the Saints. My parents were very Catholic, mm-hmm. and like Thomas Merton, and this real heavy, like you know, you have to suffer and sacrifice. You go to the library, and it was like. Oh, free books like what a concept it still blows my mind Uh and that library was the passport to the world for Mm -hmm. my family and so the first book that really stuck with me Harriet the Spy I loved that book and I started spying and writing and that Mm -hmm. book really made me a writer because her with her diary and her pen she could like gather the world in her hands and that was the big meaning for me and then when I read Walden Mm -hmm. and he said to live deliberately. Yeah. So not when you came to the end of your life, found that you, you hadn't lived. Mm-hmm. That's when I knew that words were the most powerful thing in the world. Yeah. That's amazing. I'm, you said 11 children. That was that's yeah, stuck I mean, with me. That's, and the library. We go to the, my dad would take my mom to the Acme grocery store, drop her off, and then he'd take us to the library. And we would, those poor librarians had the Brett kids running around. <laughs> they were like gods to us so they'd help us pick up books and they'd tolerate our craziness we'd leave with whatever the limit was I think it was 12 uh-huh. back then now I don't think there is a limit but we would just gorge ourselves in books and mm-hmm. now that I'm at the other end of life and I have grandchildren we have book parties if you name five places you could go to they will pick the library out of any place other than oh. Chuck E. Cheese that's, that's fair Absolutely. but you know hey but they love the library I mean the, the books they read that's her favorite activity every night. Read mm-hmm. us a book. Tell us a story. Oh, that makes me see. And I, I feel like families who share that love of reading and pass it on, like you're just so much. I feel like you're you're so much more prepared for the world. You are for that, anything life gives you. Yeah. You know? I mean, they're reading about Rosa Parks, and they understand not just that she didn't give up her seat, but they know more about her whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, all these figures in history that they learned, they read the books about them. They want to know more. I just, it's like an endless supply of yeah. wonder. How did you guys get 11 children to the library all at once? Well, you know, back then we didn't have... Um, you didn't have seatbelts and you didn't have <laughs> laws. So, you know, we used to drive with my mom had a baby on her lap and the toddlers between mom and dad in the front seat because all the seats were like benches. Uh-huh. So. And then there's a few in the back and then in the way back, we'd look out the back window. Yeah. So we'd squeeze most everybody in. Oh, that's amazing. It was crazy. But, you know, what happened is with 11, then a few go off to college and you start to get, get rid of them. Mm-hmm. But, but I have to tell you, out of 11 children... All 11 have college degrees. Mm-hmm. Uh, one sister has a PhD. She, she's a professor at Arizona State. Nice. Another became a nurse. 
half of the family got master's degrees and all of that came from the library giving us the opportunity to research books to write book reports to have access to books that we couldn't have had any other way because we could not have afforded if we had to buy the books to have our education beyond school we would never have been become the people we are because the library was where we did every research project. We didn't have an internet back then. We have a lot of librarians who listen in, and I think oh, they're my favorite them, people. Just made them very, I very really, happy. and they're so important. People sometimes will say, "Why do we need libraries?" Oh my gosh, walk into one, yeah, and you'll find out. Oh, we we tell people all the time about it. First off, people assume because we're a digital company that we don't read physical books, which is hilarious. Because if you want, you just we just walk I love all the stacks of books we have stacks, everywhere. Yeah, my desk right now is overflowing with stacks of books yeah. I need to read, and but. A, Beyond even just the books at libraries, the yeah. programs that they do and the, oh, you know, the, it's a community, it's, it's a community center. For, and you know, because most towns, especially small towns, mm-hmm. lost their downtown. I grew up yeah. in a small town, Ravenna, Ohio. We lost the downtown when they built the mall. Mm-hmm. And most towns never recovered, but the library became the community center for right. towns that can't afford one. Mm-hmm. There's all kinds of events going on. There's, it's no longer be quiet. It's, hey, come in here. Let's have a, you know, a party and read this book and have a yeah. program and watch the movie that goes with the book. And. And to me, they become the heart of towns all over across America. Absolutely, yeah, with their their maker spaces, and mm-hmm. when I love in the in the, the summer, the you know they'll have their you know you can go buy fresh fruit and vegetables from local. You can farmers. make a fairy garden. They did that one year at the mm-hmm. library. They had all these books about fairies oh, yeah. and gardening. The kids loved it. Oh, that's so great. Um, okay, so in regards to your writing, are you working on anything right now that? you are allowed to talk about. I was just like, tread lightly on that. You know, I'm always allowed, but there's always that saying, don't talk your writing away. So you don't sure. want to give away too much because <laughs> you don't want to be the guy at the bar who talks about the bestseller he never wrote, but right. he keeps talking about it. <laughs> I do have a fourth book that actually came out early in Poland because they wanted it in time for Christmas. Yeah. And it's selling there. Uh, it's a 50 Life Lesson book called um, Love It All. Mm-hmm. Love it's about loving yourself, your life, and everyone in it. Yeah. In the U.S., it's probably going to go under a different title. My agent's still working, finding the right match of uh-huh. a publisher. I'm also working um, on a memoir about my mom and I. Yeah. My mom died of Alzheimer's a few, couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And it was a, a an interesting journey where, you know, a lot of people think everybody who has a mom has this wonderful mom and you're the best of friends. And my mom had 11 kids. It was uh-huh. a litter. It wasn't a family. So I never really got to know her. Mm-hmm. And never really felt that connection and as she got older I had to kind of make peace with the mother I got versus the one I wanted and mm-hmm. then look at the mother I became and it's kind of like this look at motherhood yeah so I'm, I'm kind of finding it out as I go oh that sounds amazing okay so towards the end of our podcast we like to ask the nerd we call them the nerd nine just like nine mm-hmm. light-hearted questions mm-hmm. okay. um you don't have to give them too much thought so the first one is what's the last book you finished reading Gosh, the last book I finished reading, The Wisdom of Aging. Uh, I can't remember the woman's name. It's a beautiful book about aging, just mm-hmm. lovely. Mm-hmm. That and um, oh, Jen Sincerico about being a badass. I can't remember the name of it. You are a badass, something or other. Um, I can see it. It's in my yeah. car to deliver back to the library. <laughs> so funny. And Mark Napo. Oh, my gosh, I love his writing. That's in my car to take back to the library, too. They're probably <laughs> overdue. Um, do you have a favorite place to read? Oh, my gosh, favorite place to read. There's so many. Gosh, I do. I have a little window seat that's actually on a heater, and I love to be warm, and uh-huh. I love to be at the window. So I sit at the little window seat, and I sit still with books. I kind of love that turning the page. Yeah. I, I love e-books, and I love audiobooks, but I love the tactile thing of the books. So I sit at the window seat and read yeah. in the light, naturally. You, I think you mentioned this earlier, but what's the book that made you fall in love with reading? Oh, Harry the Spy. Spy. And really Walden, though. When I read Henry David Thoreau, 
uh, why I went into the woods to live deliberately. Mm -hmm. That's when I thought, oh my God, that's what this is about, living deliberately. I think it was... Was throw also go confidently in the direction of your dreams. It was either him or Emerson. Yeah, the two of them. I always like. It might have been, but I do. Emerson has a great quote: um, "God will not have his work made manifest by cowards." And I have that sitting on my desk to remind me to write. Like, if you're afraid, it doesn't matter. Like, he'll ask somebody else to do it if you don't. That's so good. Okay, what's one place you'd like to travel you've not yet been to? Iceland. I want to see the Northern Lights. We have a lot of people here who have gone to Iceland. Oh, it so, sounds magical. And the is, glaciers. To walk in the glaciers. So this is going to be not helpful for anyone else outside of Cleveland who's listening. But Cleveland, we have the flights. The flights. Yeah, we have direct flights yeah. to, to I Mexico. can't wait. Yeah. I've got it on my bucket list. <laughs> um, do you have a favorite holiday to celebrate? <clears throat> you know, my favorite holiday used to be Christmas. And I do love Christmas. But... Uh, my husband is Jewish, and Thanksgiving has become my favorite holiday. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband has two sons that became my sons, and one of them makes noodle kugel for Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit we're trying to blend some Jewishness yeah, into absolutely. our world. And on Thanksgiving Day, a friend who I was helping, she was uh, pregnant like me and wasn't married. I invited her for Thanksgiving one year, and she said, can I bring her brother? And I said, of course. In walked her brother. My daughter married him three years later. Oh my so gosh. Thanksgiving is this magical celebration of his family and our family and what can happen when you say yes. I love Thanksgiving. Plus, you don't have to buy gifts. No gifts, no decorating. Just eat a you bunch of eat. food. Yeah. Eat, oh, roll over, eat yeah. some more. Oh, right? so great. Um, are you a coffee person or a tea person? I've never had a cup of coffee and don't drink tea. I drink hot water with lemon. Okay, that's okay. Um, cats or dogs? Um... Cats always, I don't trust them. They seem like they're evil. <laughs> That's not true. I don't want to offend any cat lover. No. Most of my friends are cat lovers. There's something about cats that they're so independent that they, they don't need you. Dogs mm. are so faithful. But I'm not a pet person. That's okay. I, I love them. I, here's what I tell people. We didn't have any pets in the house because we had 11 children. Right. We yeah, didn't have room for any pets. Yeah. But I absolutely love children the way people love pets. Mm-hmm. I love anybody's children. I like have to stop myself from wanting to grab people's babies <laughs> to just like kiss their foreheads. Oh, that's so So I'm a baby person. So the reason we ask, uh, my co-host who isn't with us today, she is a cat person and I am a massive dog person. So that's like our eternal struggle. Um, (laughs) Do you have a favorite food? Favorite food? Gosh, I would say, this sounds funny, but I just love lemons. Lemon and water. Lemon on my salad. Lemon, Like, they just make everything taste better. I have... They I do, they, and they're so healthy. Absolutely. They just make everything taste better. Then chocolate would come second, probably. That's right. <laughs> Less healthy, but that's okay. Um, and then if you could have dinner with one person, dead or alive, who would you choose? Oh, be my grandma. Because my grandma was the person who just loved me unconditionally. Mm-hmm. She's the kind of person that, she was like a, like shaped like a pillow. She was all about hugs, had a little babushka. She was from Czechoslovakia. Mm-hmm. Spoke broken English in called me Virginia because she couldn't say Regina. So whenever I got a card from her, it would say Virginia Brett. Oh my and I just love that the she was all about baking and love and just, you could do no wrong. That's so I'd amazing. love to thank her for loving me. That's amazing. And then the last question we always ask everyone, what do you hope readers take away from reading your books? You know, I think the key is I want them to know that they are loved in this world and they're not alone. That's perfect. Regina, thank you so much for coming thank in today. Thank you, and so much. This was fun. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can add these titles to their collections and marketplace. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it 
every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.